Good morning. I'm Max Cohen, a congressional reporter at Punchbowl News. I've been filling in for Anna and Jake this week. Welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Thursday, July 13th, 2023. Let's get into the mix. Here are your top Washington headlines of the day. Number one, McCarthy gives into Freedom Caucus on NDAA amendment fight. House Republican leaders are now betting they can come up with 218 GOP votes for the fiscal year 2024 defense authorization bill after essentially ending any hope of a bipartisan deal with Democrats. Speaker Kevin McCarthy is giving the House Freedom Caucus and other conservative hardliners what they've demanded all week, dozens of culture war amendment votes on the $886 billion NDAA package. Conservatives threatened to derail the defense authorization bill unless they got these votes. The House will take up these amendments today in what promises to be a long and bitterly partisan slugfest. McCarthy wants to vote in final passage for the NDAA bill by Friday. These GOP amendments run the gamut of conservative talking points. They cover everything from the Pentagon's abortion policy, diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, COVID-19 vaccines, critical race theory, and transgender-related medical services. Ukraine, China, and Taiwan are also key amendment topics. If some or all of these poison pill provisions are added to the defense authorization bill, which Congress has enacted every year since the early 1960s, then Democrats will oppose the measure. The House Armed Services Committee initially passed the bill by an overwhelming 58-1 to 1 vote on June 22nd. The most high-profile amendment is authored by Representative Ronnie Jackson, Republican of Texas. Jackson's proposal would bar the Pentagon from, quote, paying for or reimbursing expenses related to abortion services. Senator Tommy Tuberville, Republican of Alabama, has been holding up dozens of military promotions for months in a bid to force the Pentagon to rescind the abortion policy. There are also several amendments designed to block or reduce military aid to Ukraine. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia, will get a vote on her proposal to cut $300 million in Ukraine funding. Representative Lauren Boebert, Republican of Colorado, has an amendment to prohibit DOD-run schools, quote, from purchasing and having pornographic and radical gender ideology books in their libraries. And Representative Bob Good, Republican of Virginia, wants to block the removal of Confederate names from military bases. The House Rules Committee met late Wednesday night to pass the rule covering the second tranche of controversial amendments. During that session, Republicans defeated numerous Democratic attempts to add their own amendments to the approved list. Of the 80 amendments cleared for potential floor votes, just four were from Democrats. Rules Committee Chair Tom Cole, Republican of Oklahoma, also said there was a, quote, side agreement that the House would move forward in September with repealing a number of outstanding authorization for use of military resolutions, AUMFs, some of which go back for decades. This includes the AUMF passed in the wake of the 9-11 attacks. This will also be replaced by another resolution, Cole indicated. Democrats blasted McCarthy and GOP leaders for, in their view, allowing a small faction of conservatives to essentially control what's going on in the House. This is a very sad night, complained Representative Jim McGovern, the top Democrat on the Rules Committee. Quote, 
It's outrageous that a tiny minority of MAGA extremists are predicting how we'll proceed. This is not how this play should work. Adding these conservative provisions to the bill will make cutting a deal with the Senate and the White House much more difficult. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is expected to file a motion today to proceed to that chamber's version of the NDAA bill beginning next week. Schumer is looking to pass the bill before the August recess. Number two, Biden releases security guarantee for Ukraine, but will Congress fund it? A Congress that is bitterly divided over defense spending and paralyzed over a typically bipartisan defense authorization process will soon be asked to fund President Joe Biden's newly announced long-term security commitment for Ukraine. Senators who traveled to Vilnius for the annual NATO summit projected optimism that Congress will ultimately come to an agreement to back the G7-led military system program that serves as a precursor to Kyiv's NATO membership. But back in Washington, there are new signs that this could become complicated and ultimately fall short. It was a jarring split-screen with Biden's vow in a speech in Vilnius that the new initiative will boost Ukraine's defenses, quote, across land, air, and sea, and that the U.S. commitment to Ukraine will not weaken. This is something he can't guarantee, of course. Quote, there's a solid majority in support of Ukraine in Congress, Senator Angus King said in an interview. The question is whether there are people who will use the congressional process in order to tie things up, block budgets, or block nominees. In some ways, that's already happening. Some House conservatives are using their leverage over the defense authorization bill to try to force a vote on scaling back U.S. aid from Ukraine, as we just reported. They also want to add provisions to the bill that would evaporate Democratic support for what has historically been an overwhelmingly bipartisan effort. On top of that, the top two Republicans in Congress are on opposite sides of the debate over whether to boost defense spending through a supplemental funding bill. Despite this, ahead of a meeting with Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky on Wednesday, Biden reassured Zelensky that the American people, quote, are supportive because they know it's about you but it's about more than you. That is, the security of Europe and U.S. national security are intertwined. The summit also provided an opening for lawmakers to push NATO allies to meet and exceed the 2% defense spending to GDP ratio outlined in the alliance's charter. Less than a quarter of NATO's 31 members currently meet that threshold, and the Senate delegation brought this up in nearly all of their bilateral meetings with foreign leaders. And there are several fierce defenses of NATO from top Republicans, such as Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. McConnell noted that the U.S. ranks 13th when it comes to Ukraine assistance as a percent of GDP, saying, quote, some nations are digging even deeper into their own arsenals and making a much greater relative investment of support. This is a clear pushback to those on the right who argue that the United States is being ripped off by NATO. Senator Tom Tillis echoed McConnell's message that Americans overwhelmingly back the ongoing U.S. efforts to support NATO. Quote, I reject the narrative that this is all in peril because of some partisan divide. I simply don't see it, Tillis told us. I think there are members asking legitimate questions about burden sharing. It will be up to lawmakers like Tillis and McConnell to make these arguments back home, that's becoming much more difficult as former President Donald Trump escalates the attacks on U.S. support for Ukraine and his allies in Congress advance efforts to end that aid. 
It's also worth remembering that it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Ukraine war drags on through the 2024 election. And the bipartisan promises of military support for, quote, as long as it takes could become hollow if Trump becomes a GOP nominee and ultimately returns to the White House. Number three, Democrats embrace free markets against GOP's anti-ESG blitz. Move over, anti-ESG months. Democrats are mounting a counteroffensive, an anti-anti-ESG push under the banner of capitalism. Republicans on the House Financial Services Committee have spent years decrying the influence of social responsibility and environmental sustainability efforts anywhere in the financial system. They've got a lot of hearings lined up to that effect this week. But Democrats are not letting Republicans control the narrative unopposed. They're hammering the GOP for the party's typical ambivalence toward climate change, for one. But progressives, led by Representatives Maxine Waters and Sean Kasten, are also spending a lot of time talking about the importance of free market and free enterprise. And they're sounding a lot like the Republicans of yesteryear in the process. Several Democrats on the Financial Services Committee flogged, quote, the party of Reagan for mobilizing against ESG, emissions disclosures, and more, when broad swaths of private investors have demonstrated keen interest in what a changing climate will do to the economy. Quote, the party of Ronald Reagan, the party of Milton Friedman, is afraid to defend capitalism, Kasten, Democrat of Illinois, said during the hearing. Quote, you all ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Following the hearing, the Sustainable Investment Caucus convened a press conference on the House Triangle, urging lawmakers to protect America's freedom to invest. Former Minnesota Representative Keith Ellison, who now serves as the state's attorney general, spoke at the press conference. Quote, when I was in Congress, the Republicans used to say the market determines all. Now, they're actively fighting against it. It's a strange turn of events, Ellison said. Republicans, of course, disagree. They say the Biden administration's approach to financial regulation and climate, particularly led by Gary Gensler, the chair of the SEC, is fundamentally bad for business. The SEC's climate rule does have a share of issues, to be clear. The 500-page proposal to require public companies to calculate several types of their carbon emissions was issued well over a year ago, and finalization has been delayed until roughly the fall. It's important to remember that lawmakers' plans to limit ESG aren't going anywhere with split control of Congress. But it bears repeating that state legislators have been plenty active on their own when it comes to supporting or attacking ESG. When it comes to the fight this month, we think state lawmakers of both parties will take at least some inspiration from the federal counterparts for better and worse. Thanks so much for listening. If you like The Daily Punch, and we hope you do, please leave us a rating and review. Share it on social media. It's the best way for folks to find out about us. You can also sign up for our free morning newsletter at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.